Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? There are things that go bump in the night. Listen to them. Children of the night. They're coming to get you, Barbara. What music they make. You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. We all go a little mad sometimes. There are rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Number two, you can never drink or do drugs. Bad rum! Red rum! Number three, never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. They're here! Hi, I'm Jackie, wanna play? And here's Johnny! I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. Matu, Marada, <laughs> Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. I'll be right back. Oh! Hello there. It's Obi John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting, and welcome to a brand new Nerd Alert. We are keeping things rolling with spooky season. Uh, we hope you enjoyed last week's uh, uh, staff takes of some lesser known, forgotten about, underappreciated horror movies. Hopefully you've been spending this last week just churning them all out, checking them out, watching The Relic and uh, 30 Days of Night and uh, whatever else we recommended. That's that one Scott up. picked. <laughs> I That's all it. <laughs> yes, theoretically. Anyway, this week we're going to bring back one of our, uh, well, it was one of our favorite segments to do last year because we had a good time with it. We hope you enjoyed it because we're doing it again, um, whether you like it or not. So uh, this week, you know, you you clicked on the thumbnail. We are going to once again take a trip through the world of middle school elementary literature. With the Choose Your Own Adventure series. Now, last year we did a Choose Your Own Nightmare. This year we're back to the Choose Your Own Adventure. Because um, I couldn't find a nightmare I liked. Uh, well, okay. I couldn't find three copies of a nightmare I liked. as a whole thing. Uh, so this year we will be reading through Escape from the Haunted Warehouse by Anson Ooh, Montgomery. Anson Mount? Anson Montgomery. Oh. Yeah. So. Wait, wait. Escape from the Haunted Warehouse? Yeah. My, my, yeah, my my book says "In the Beginning" by Stevie Joe. You've got the wrong book, Scott. Uh, that's that's not the book that we're supposed to read. Hers is not a choose your own adventure. It's a wonderful but, book, and I'm glad you brought it up on the show. Everyone should go jump on Stevie Joe. They, they dot, should. Kind of uh, uh, I'm looking at Everybody the, should go jump on Stevie Joe. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I guess Gary it's, says it's okay. Okay. Well, as long as Gary says it's okay. So as long as you're is, making a purchase. This is not a choose your own adventure? No, no. Sounds supposed to sure. be front to back? It's a Stevie Wait. Joe chooses the adventure for you. Oh, oh. did yeah. Gary's husband wrote that? She did. Gary's husband did. So just jumping random pages doesn't work in this one? All right. So Scott's just going to tag out this week. It's fine. Aww. Just listen along. <laughs> His one assignment was here, don't lose this book and don't read ahead. <laughs> 
Uh, I know it was difficult. It was complicated. Damn it. No, we are reading Escape from the Haunted Warehouse by Anton Montgomery. Um, there are allegedly 14 different endings to choose from. We're going to see how many we get through today. Uh, so the format is going to be one of us will take turns being the narrator and read through until a decision has to be made. Then the other two will decide what decision to be made and we'll see what happens. And every time someone dies, we will rotate out who's a, uh, the narrator and who's making the decisions. Um, that is the format. I'm, I'm normally I would ask my co-host to introduce themselves, but I feel like we did kind of jump over that this time. We did, uh, and I feel like if I go back now, we're gonna have like an 18 minute nerd fact. We're not gonna have actually my nerd fact this time was was really short because it was literally just a word of the day kind of thing. Ladies I, and gentlemen, welcome to the bridge. My first co-host, the man who keeps the nerd in the Tot Nerdy TV Network, Commander Scott. Okay, so this word was first invented or came into common usage in 1691. Uh, it is a Dutch derivative of a German word. No, I'm sorry. Uh, I was just trying to be a thing. No, uh, th- th- this word I thought applied to spooky season. Okay. Um, uh, it, it's horripilation. Horripilation. So H O. Could you use it in a sentence? Um, the uh, the 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 horror movie that I watched gave me such horripilation as I have never known before. Kind of has the origin of the word. <laughs> Once again, 1691, Dutch derivative of a German word. No, um, I'm making that, that part completely up. Horripilation. Horripilation. W-H-O-R-R-I. So it does kind of, kind of have a horror uh, or uh, core word to it. P-I-L-A-P-I-O-N. Horripilation is a noun, a bristling of the hair upon the skin from cold or fear a.k.a. Goosebumps. That's the official word for Goosebumps, ladies and gentlemen. Horripilation. So we need to start a book series called Horripilation. <clears throat> yep. I'm down for it. Yeah. See, that Thank you, a- Scott. That was, you're right. That was, it was on topic. It was brief. Thank you. Very good job, Commander Scott. You get a gold star. Yay. <laughs> All right, I'm going to introduce my second co-host. Let's see if he can keep this going. Ladies and gentlemen, joining us from somewhere in time and space, perhaps via a DeLorean, it's the Doc. So we watched True Grit. Okay. I don't remember that. Uh, in my film class, we watched True Grit. Okay, hold on. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is, this is about to be our newest recurring segment titled Shit Jay's Kids Said. Uh, Jay, take it away. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. I, I created something called a um, a movie viewing record, I think is what I called it. And they had to fill out a sheet and they had to say the name of the like the name of the movie, their favorite character, their least favorite character, three things they liked, three things they didn't like. Uh, one person, and I'll, this is the only person that really stuck out to me. So John Wayne won an Academy Award for Best Actor for this picture. And one student wrote things that they didn't like. They didn't like his acting. They thought it was terrible. Yeah. And I was like, he, he, what? I was just very confused. I'm like, he won an award for this. Like, I thought he did a great job. But he, he did a John Wayne job. I mean, John Wayne's kind of the same in every movie he does. 
for the most part, there's exceptions. True Grit is him kind of playing against type, so. Uh-oh. He's a Can't. fat, over-the-hill, fall-down drunkard. It, it's it's against type for John Wayne. But he's still acting as John Wayne. It's he's cool. still John Wayne, okay? You're not yes. going to change his stripes. Exactly. You're just going to, yeah. you know, paint over him a little bit. Yeah. Again. Anyway, I just thought that was pretty funny that he's like, the acting was terrible, even though this guy won an Academy Award for it, so. Well, that's the fun thing with the viewing journal is there's no wrong answer as long as you can not justify, but explain your answer. Okay, Don't just tell me it was terrible. Tell me why it was terrible. Yeah. Did did they tell us why it was terrible, Jay? Oh, no. 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 No, this this student talks through most of the movies. Sort of the actors, so it's okay. You don't deduct points from the grade for talking during the movie? No. Time to start that. Maybe I should. Mm-hmm. That's ten points to Gryffindor. Wait, there you no, go. That's not right. All right. So once again, we are going to be reading through this awesome choose your own adventure book, Escape from the Haunted Warehouse. Scott, this gets too close to home for where we work. Let me know and we'll stop. Uh, that being said, well, Scott. Oh, so I'm yeah. noticing there's a map, I guess, to the mm-hmm. warehouse mm-hmm. here. Um. This looks nothing like where we work. Although I do note that on the map, apparently our warehouse is built on the banks of Crystal Lake. Yep. Yeah. Not only that, but there's a, a big gulch. So we're, uh, we're out in the west. It's also, there. there's the Dahmer complex and the Winchester complex. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's mm-hmm. an underground complex. Yeah, the Forbidden Room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Red oh Room. Oh, my God. At least there's good offices. There's good parking, though. Ample parking. We're the only employee, but I'm getting ahead of ourselves. (laughs) So before I read the story proper, gentlemen, uh, next uh, adjacent to page one, there is an an ad circled in the newspaper. Would someone be so kind as to, in their best old-timey announcer voice, read that ad for us? Are you exceptional? A self-starter. Able to work on your own. Open to working the graveyard shift. Not bothered or scared by working in the darkness of deep night. If the answer to all is if the answer is to all of the above is yes, then apply for our new warehouse intern position. Tired of the cutthroat rat race real world? Spend your summer preparing for magical, mystical, and mysterious productions. Competitive wages. Frequent light and occasional heavy lifting required. Apply in person at our facility at 999 Kiln Road, two blocks past the old cemetery. Crematory. Crematory. No calls. Monday through Wednesdays, 11 p.m. to 3.30 a.m. E-E-O-E. I don't know what that means. All beings welcome apply. That's ominous. No background check. Position must be filled. Apply tonight. First of all, Jay, thank you. That was beautiful. I said old-timey announcer voice, and you went with it with gusto. I appreciate that, sir. Thank you. Okay, so, so there's your. Also, Jay, what E E O E means? Yeah, uh, I don't know either. So maybe we'll find out as you read through. So <clears throat> here we go. You guys ready? As strange as the ad was, you were desperate enough to find a job that you decided to take a chance. Your gas tank is running empty, and the night is dark as you drive past the old crematory on the edge of town. 
Pulling up to the huge, hulking form of a mostly dark warehouse, you feel a twinge of fear. You feel a, what's that word, Scott? A horror, 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 neptid, horror. Oh, um, uh, crap. I don't have the thing up in front of me anymore. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot we all word. forgot the word of the day already. I was, I, was in, I, was, I was engrossed in what you were saying. I wasn't, I didn't even realize you were saying was, He was, he was, he was horror Yes. yes. <laughs> Pulling up to the huge hulking forum of the mostly dark warehouse, I felt the horrificude of fear. <laughs> Why am I in the middle of nowhere at midnight, you asked yourself, but you enter the strange building complex anyway. There's no one in the front room, but there's a neatly lettered sign that says, Warehouse Intern Applicants This Way. You follow the sign and knock on the open doorway of a small, old-fashioned office. Stacks of paper and a corded telephone were the only things on the desk, except for a nameplate. Warehouse manager, Mr. Dell Grady. A man is writing on a sheet of paper. He's slight, oddish, and deeply pale. He wears a striped suit and a skinny tie. Come in, you're late, he says without looking up. Uh, I don't think so, you reply. He looks up and gives you a short laugh. Ha! You're late for the graveyard shift. It's 12.01 after the witching hour. You nod in response, not knowing what else to do. It'll be moving. Scott, the only thing I can think of is it has something to do with an equal opportunity employer. You'll be moving items boxed up from place to place in the building, Mr. Gaddy explains as he shows you around the huge darkened warehouse. He'll be busy, he adds in a sharp laugh. Lots, there's lots to move. Yes, I'm trading the accents on the fly until I find one I like. <laughs> We aren't shipping out from the warehouse, just moving things around inside of it. Why, you ask, as you follow him into the cavernous storage area with metal shelves rising far above your head into the deep darkness and far off into the distance. Well, yes, of course, we do ship things sometimes. You see, Mr. Gay says, the long pause before continuing, certain items need to be in certain places at specific times. Carl? Okay, Carl, here we go. <laughs> We're a very specialized storage and delivery warehouse. We send things to movies, Hollywood, you know, props, scenery, that kind of stuff, he explains. Ah, here we are, he says as you reach a red door with the words employees only stenciled in white. This is your locker room where you'll uh, change into your uh, uh, uniform. Uh, Mr. Grady, I'm not sure I've actually accepted the job yet. I haven't filled out the application, you say. Is that so? He says, turning to face the weak red light from the caged emergency bulb above the door. It feels like you're already part of the family. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anyway, you'll be perfect, he says, opening the door to the locker room. Uh, I feel like we should do this uh, whose line is it anyway style, where you can just say cut, do it like, and we just we just get, get inserted genre. Good. When you, John, when you said cavernous and uh, I was reading along, I really wanted to say carnivorous. <laughs> carnivorous storage area. Cold reading aloud is fun. <clears throat> As you navigate through the dark warehouse several days later, you wonder, why did I take this job? You needed the money for tuition, not to mention books, school supplies, gas, and food. After your weird interview, you scramble to find something else, anything else. A job at the pizza parlor fell through, and your Uncle Charlie couldn't afford to bring you in on his landscaping company because work had slowed down for his crew. 
You are a true night owl now, spending your days sleeping in your overnights in dark hallways, pushing thousands of pounds of boxes and crates from storage room to storage room. From day to day, you had your inter- sorry. From the day you had your interview until now, everything seemed mysterious. The only cool thing is the powered hand lift that you use to move all the stuff from place to place. The model B two hundred powered hand truck with the stencil B W A R E one for warehouse number one. On its on it is your only company most nights. Your assistant, beware one, helps you lift huge pallets and zip them around. Occasionally you find yourself talking to beware one as if you he were a person. You used your hand to steady the load you've just scooped up. The boxes are too long to fit on the pallets. Sorry. Your... <laughs> really? 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 We're cracking you... up for the load. Really? You use you use your hand to steady the load you've just scooped up. The boxes are too long to fill the pallets neatly. Sweat starts to drip onto your eyes off the end of your nose. It's been a hot, humid summer, and you wish that this latest heat wave would break. Hot tonight, beware, you say out loud. So yeah, looking at the illustration here of this this pallet jack, this motorized yeah. pallet jack, which it looks like, like tank treads. Yeah, yeah, it's got tank treads on it. It looks like you took a pallet jack, uh, combined it with a uh, a treadmill, a, a, a high end treadmill, and added tank treads to it. There's no way this thing would survive an inspection by our corporate safety. I don't think they do IATF audits here, Scott, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry, but as soon as you read the line, you use your hand to steady the load you've just scooped up. I, I'm sorry. I couldn't. Okay, buddy. Know, that's, why, that's why I backed up for dramatic effect. <laughs> My God, that was too much. The, uh, it'll get worse. The dim, flickering lights that line the hallway give everything a spooky look. And you can't wipe the sweat from your face because you need both of your hands to guide Beware when he's all loaded up. With <laughs> all the mass on your body, it's hard to stop once it gets moving. The first few times you had to move a big load, <laughs> you would bang into the walls and go side to side like a bowling ball with the kitty bumpers lining the gutters. But now you've gotten the hang of it. And you know when to apply slight pressure to move beware in the right direction. Oh, my if God. You, if you know what I mean, and I think you do. Hey, fire man. <laughs> 50 hot wings, keep the rants coming. Sorry. What's in these boxes, you wonder, for probably the thousandth time this summer? No one has told you anything about, the warehouse, about what the warehouse holds. You have not learned much more than the company more about the company since Mr. Grady explained at your interview. But at least they pay you well. Mr. Grady scheduled you the graveyard shift from midnight to 8 a.m. so that everything, quote, would be in place for the next night, unquote. You've only seen Mr. Grady twice. I'll be in the office down the main corridor. My door's always open, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he must have meant figuratively, as every time you passed by it, <clears throat> It has been shut with no light peeking out from under the door. <laughs> Pardon me. The warehouse is a huge complex with vast underground network of tunnels connecting multiple buildings. You and Beware One work alone, but sometimes you hear machinery running in the other buildings while you work. Boom! Crunk! Crack! 
Occasionally, you see dark shadows or silhouettes in the lit windows in other buildings, but you never see any other workers. Each night, you go into the empty locker room and find a list with helpful highlighted maps of what you are supposed to move from one location to location. Every spot in the warehouse is labeled with numbers and names. Move Usher Crate 21 to Room 13 in the Winchester Complex. Or take Borden Box 40 to Drags Home Slot 12 in the La Lori building. But there's never a description of what's inside. Your reverie is broken by a scream or howl coming from the doorway directly to the left of Beware. Werewolves of London. Old lady got mutilated last night. Sorry. Uh, the cart crashes into the wall and the wooden pallet stacked with cardboard boxes crunches and breaks. You have to dive to keep the box from sliding off and hitting the floor. Osha does not recommend that. Uh -uh. Uh, the howl scream stops for a second, but it starts again. Is it a person or an animal crying for pain? You try the door, but it won't open. Unlike many of the other locked doors in the warehouse, this one does not have a padlock, and the door itself is a flimsy one with loose hinges. You might be able to break it down if you really tried. Or you could get Mr. Grady. He has the keys to all the rooms. What should you do? The scream starts again. You have to do something. Screw Mr. Grady. Pull that door off its hinges. So, okay, are we going to try and break the door down, or are we going to go get Mr. Grady? No, no, no. We're opening this door. So one for open the door. Let's kick this pig. All right, why not? Let's break her down. Break her down. Turning to page 20. Okay, here we go. Uncharted territory, boys. <clears throat> Pushing the trolley out of the way. With all your strength, you slam shoulder against the door, but it doesn't break. You try again, and while it rattles in the frame, it holds firm. Wiping your brow, you look at the beware unit. Of course, you say out loud to yourself. Using the beware as a battering ram, you get some speed and smash into the door. The door splits in two, but beware gets lodged in the opening, blocking your way. It takes you a minute or two to pull it back out. It takes you a minute or two to pull it back out. <laughs> Meanwhile, the screaming doesn't stop. It gets worse. You crawl under the... <laughs> You crawl into the broken door to get in the dark room where the noise is coming from. Taking out your phone and putting it into flashlight mode, you look around. The noise is coming from the corner of the room, but it's empty. All you see is a large utility sink with water streaming out of the faucet. Maybe there's an animal trapped in the sink that's making the noise? Approaching the sink cautiously, ready for a trapped rat or raccoon to snap, you shine the light into the basin. All you see is water swirling in a whirlpool down the drain. Ow! The sound is coming from the water as it drains out of the sink. Turning both knobs to shut off the water, you relax as the scream stops when the last of the water empties. Sitting down on the floor with your back against the wall, you wonder how you'll explain the broken door to Mr. Grady but you're relieved. The screaming was nothing bad. Taking a, few steep, taking a few deep breaths and gathering yourself, you look around the room. Dirty laundry is heaped in the corners and piled in wheeled baskets. It looks like mostly sheets and towels. On the far wall, shelves are stocked with detergent and other cleaning supplies. 
nothing too unusual. Then you look at the door. Since you broke only the bottom part of the door with the trolley, the top of the door is still closed and intact. The manual sliding lock is still in the locked position. The door was locked from the inside, and there's no other way out of this windowless laundry storage room. How is that possible? Okay, don't get freaked out, you say aloud to yourself. Then the pile of laundry in the corner starts to move. Backing toward the broken door, you're actually relieved when a huge rat with glowing red eyes comes scuttling out of the dirty sheets. It scurries up the wall and disappears into a black hole near the ceiling. You move towards the pile the rat crawled from and pull off the top sheet. You jump back and give a scream when you see four rat pups searching for their mother. I have questions. Yeah, we all do. What are you doing? The voice booms from the darkness behind. Sorry. What are you doing? Another little scream escapes from you, and you swing around and aim your flashlight up. Your boss, Mr. Grady, squints back in the bright light. Sorry, didn't mean to scare you, he says. But why is the B200-powered hand truck smashed in the door? I heard something screaming in here, but it was the sink drain, and then I found the rats, baby rats, over there, you babble, pointing. Grady laughs, his sharp laugh. Oh, the haunted sink! I should have warned you about that. It makes quite the racket. Certainly unnerving. I know. Well, no help for the door. We'll have to pull out the replacement and leave a note for the maintenance crew. As for the rats, he says, striding to the wall and flicking on the lights without looking. We'll need to put out the poison, unfortunately. You know what I'm saying? Poison. Great band. Uh, I've been meaning to deal with that, but it keeps slipping my mind. <coughs> Which would you like to do? Go get the poison or the door. The poison bucket is heavy, but it's just down the hall from the locker room. The replacement door is in the Dahmer Annex on the far side of the property, he says. Sorry, let me do that again. I missed the voice. Which would you like to do? Go get the poison or the door? Uh, The poison bucket's heavy, but it's just down the hall from the locker room. The replacement door is in the Dahmer Annex on the far side of the property. <laughs> Love it. Keep it going. You're doing he says, great. Pointing to one of the windowless walls as though you could tell where he means. These hollow core doors are light enough for one person to carry. <laughs> if you're buff like me, no problem. Not like a dead body. <laughs> Not that I ever held a dead body before. <laughs> the cops asked you to tell him I didn't say that. Grady laughs again <laughs> as if I had a joke, but you don't join in. All right, boys, are we getting the poison buckets or the replacement door? If it's me, I can't poison innocent little animals. I'm too much of an animal person. Let's go get the door. Plus, I'm kind of curious what's over in the Dahmer complex. Yeah, let's go get the door. I go to the Dahmer complex. We're jumping from page 25 to page 102. I kind of want to adopt the the other two voices from uh, from this. Was it Fry Guy and, and with Meat Wad? Yeah, let's go get the door. How's Meat Wad sound? It's very, it's fun. very Mike Tyson, but you're getting close. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's go get the door. <laughs> this is me, Mike Tyson. <laughs> I'm me. We'll put the door. We're gonna get a door. <laughs> All I know is I saw this extension cord coming from my house to your house, and your house was glowing like the freaking sun. So uh, I put two and two together there and figured out that uh, you're pissing me off. It's okay, girl. 
we got this. <laughs> Meepod is more nasally, like uh, like more Stitch, like uh. I've seen like four episodes. Leave me alone. Okay, well, we can fix that. Okay, page one hundred two. Going to get the door. One hundred two. Are we swapping? When are we? When are we? Well, no one's died yet, so I can keep uh, reading or right, what? Go for it. Go for it. Okay, okay keep going. I'll get the replacement door, you tell Mr. Grady, without much hesitation. Lugging around a big that, bucket of homemade poison en- doesn't sound fun or safe. Was, enthusiasm was the word, John. What did I say? <laughs> hesitation. Jay, if you're going to correct me. Hes- hesitation still working. Your ad-libbing is fine. Go ahead. Right. Great! I'll show you how to get there, he says, pulling the facility map out of his pocket. Even after two months, you haven't been the most. Even after two months, you haven't been in most of the buildings, and even those you've been in have lots of rooms you've left unexplored. You're still nervous after the moaning sink and the rats, but a little bit excited to see some more of the unknown parts of the complex. <clears throat> First, go out to the loading area of the complex, <laughs> then across the parking lot to the storage facility. Here, take this key, he says, removing a large green key from his enormous key ring, and remember. I don't need no instructions to know how to rock. Also, leave a note for the maintenance crew about the door. You don't want them thinking somebody broke in and stole it. Like those damn Moonanites. Key in my car. <laughs> why, are there secu- why aren't there security guards here, you ask, having an opportunity to find out the answer to a question that's built up in your mind. It seems like there should be as there's a lot of expensive equipment around. Isn't there even a guard at the parking gate? Just the combo lock? Well, we never have much trouble with the people trying to break in here. Most people seem to avoid this place naturally. I don't know. Is it me? Do I smell? Grady says, looking straight into your eyes, you should get going. We still got to get tonight's work done, <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. The summer night air is moist, and the stars are covered in a thick layer of clouds. A faint hint of the moon, vague and dim, gives you a little light as you leave the yellowish glow from the loading area. None of the other buildings are lit up with activity tonight, and you feel lonely as you walk through the dimness. You turn on the flashlight on your phone again. You are near the Dahmer Annex, but you only have 22% charge left, and the flashlight drains it quickly. You find the maintenance shop door and open it with a large green key. From the light of your phone and the glowing red exit sign in the far corner, you see all sorts of materials, cans of paint, brushes, workbenches, and a large variety of bladed tools are strewn around. A series of scythes, from handheld to ginormous, are lined up on a bench with a range of sharpening tools scattered around them. I know it said enormous, Jay. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> you make your way... I didn't even see anything! I know, I was going to get ahead of it. You make your way to the back of the shop and find another door with building supplies written on it. Hopefully, this is where they keep the doors. Opening the door to the doors to more doors. Opening the door to more doors. You hear a shuffling noise in the blackness. See, now tomorrow at work, I want to ask our operations people, where do they keep the doors? Where's the doors? I want to see the doors. Show me the doors right now. Wait, do we have security? Anyway, anyone there? You ask in a thin voice, fumbling with the phone. You find a light switch and turn it on. Rows of windows, boards, latches, knobs, sills, and doors are stacked neatly in shelving. 
moving forward a bit more confidently now that you have found what you're looking for, you head towards the particle board doors. Putting the phone away, you turn your to the your, putting the phone away, you turn to your left and freeze. A little girl, maybe nine or ten years old, is looking up at you from the back of one of the shelves. Her Her, her legs are pulled up in her hands. Mm-hmm. I was going to do the seductive voice, but it's a little girl, and I feel creepy doing yeah, that. Yeah, it's a little creepy if you do it in the seductive voice, yeah. And you can tell she's trying to hide. She, her legs are pulled up in her hands, and you can tell she is trying to hide from you. Who are you? What are you doing here? You ask her, trying to calm her and yourself. The last thing you were expecting was a nine-year-old girl in jeans and a red sweater. You're not going to tell him. Sorry. Mm. We'll meet, we'll, we'll meet Wad this one. You're not going to tell on me, are you? Who are you? You repeat, reaching out with your hand. She backs away from you, but answers in a small voice. I'm Meat Wad, T. <laughs> or Mary. Mary. She's, her name could also be Mary. It's okay, Mary. Why are you here? Where are your parents? They're dead, okay? Can I go now? She says, closing her eyes and scrunching away as far as possible from you. Don't tell on me. Tell on you for what? You ask gently, leaning forward. You hold uh, your hand back, not wanting to startle her again. Don't tell. I'm warning you, she says, opening her eyes and leaning at you with a grimace on her face. Where did you come from? Why are you hiding here? I'm looking for the door out. I'm looking for the door out, okay? I'm gonna be sassy newt instead. Uh, but this door doesn't <laughs> but this room doesn't have a door out. It's just a storage room. You have to go through, go out through the workshop. Stupid silly, she says. I'm looking for the way out, not the way back in. I need to find my mama's ring. What ring? My mama's ring. I just said that. Will you help me find it? <clears throat> it's here it's here someplace and I need it. She looks like she's going to cry. Please help me find the ring. Look, it's like 2.37 in the morning, you say, talking as you take your phone out of your pocket to check the time. You should be at home. Even if your parents uh, are dead, you should still be at home. Uh, that wasn't me being dramatic. That's how it's written. What's your phone? What's your phone number? Sorry. No, I just did. You should be at home. Even if your parents... Are, are dead. Uh, you should still be at home. What's your phone number? I don't know, Mary says, sulkily. S- sulkily. I don't see that word a lot. Sulkily. Look, you say, tired by the whole night and exasperated by the girl. I have to get this door back to the main building. Why don't you come with me? We'll find Mr. Grady. And- no! No, 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 no! She shouts, shaking, hi- shaking in her little hiding spot. You said you wouldn't tell! And now we go back to page 91. Okay. You're not sure what to do. Mr. Grady is waiting for you to come back with the door. And you still have the rest of the boxes to move tonight. You really don't have time to deal with a hiding kid in the middle of this crazy warehouse complex. Where did she come from? And how did she get in there? Where did she come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from, Cotton Eye Joe? The door to the shop was locked when you got there. What should you do? Really? You know the girl's right, and the proper thing to do is take her back to the main building and call the police. You should use your cell, but the whole area is a big dead zone, and you have to use the landline in Mr. Grady's office. 
but she seemed to get scared when you mentioned Grady. Maybe you should just help her find her ring. And if you don't find it in a few minutes, you can take her to the office then. Okay, boys, choose to help Mary look for the ring or tell Mary you won't tell on her, but that you need to call someone to let them know she's here. Is there an option for stuffing her in a 50-gallon drum and hauling her back on a dolly? No, 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 there is not. Just, no? just, just the two, mm. two options at the bottom of the page. I feel like... I feel like if we tell Mary that we won't tell on her and then go back, uh, we have a better option of dying. Or maybe if we look for the ring, we'll die. I don't know. Sure, we we look haven't. For the ring. Look for the ring? We haven't died. We haven't. That's a good thing. Okay. Look for the ring? <clears throat> Looking look for, for the, the ring. ring? We went through Mordor, and now we're going to look for the ring. Here we yes. go. We went for more doors, and now we're looking for a ring. <laughs> Sensing a theme. Okay. Ah. Wait, Excuse hold on. Me. There we Page there, right? 38. Page 38. Yeah, 38. Yeah, okay. <clears throat> you promise that you'll help me find my mama's ring, Mary says, inching, sl- inching slowly out of her spot. She looks up at you and suddenly seems much older. <clears throat> She's not really just my mama, you know. She's the mother of all of us. Ooh. <laughs> I'd call Ripley mama uh, All who you ask oh, Jesus Are there God. other children in the warehouse Some Mary answers As well as those who are no Yeah as well as those who are no longer children We are all ages I guess or any age This is getting okay. creepy Okay you agree not knowing what she means But I have to get to work So the sooner we find this ring the better Where did you last see it it's in a box, and the box is supposed to be in this room. It's a special box made of sandalwood and cedar. I turned Valley Girl there on a while. Yeah. All right, Valley Girl's good. Keep it up. Let's get searching, you say, wondering why you agreed to this. She seems so persuasive. You searched the whole workshop and come up empty-handed. Really? You searched? Mary just watched and pointed at things out the Mary just watched and pointed out things to move. The only place you don't look is a drawer below the bench, locked with a simple combination lock. No dice, kiddo, you say. We need to get out of here and find someone to get you help. Please, just try the locked drawer, she pleads. It has to be in there. It's locked for a reason, you counter. Please, implores Mary. She starts to cry. I'll never be able to rest. Ever. None of us will. Just try it one time. I may know the code. I just want to see the ring for one second. You can put it right back, please. Okay, I'll give it one try. But no more messing around after that. You need to get to bed. We're going to call for help. Now we're going to put her to bed. Okay, whatever. I long for rest. Use 9696 in the lock. It's the same from up or down. Mama likes that. I think she got that backwards. I think Mama's into the other version of that. (laughs) Just just saying. She may have got that backwards. Scott, it is the same up and down. I guess. Up or down. But uh, you put the combination in and the lock springs open. Inside the drawer is a wooden box in the middle of a wicker basket. A peaceful smell pours into you. Gently, you pick up the box and open the lid. Inside, on a bed of purple velvet, is a simple ring made of jade. 
Even in the dim light, it glints with a green that draws the eye into its never-ending circle. Oh, Mary whispers, that's Mama's ring. It's so pretty. You pick the green ring up to examine it closer, and before you can react, Mary puts her thumb through the ring. A flash of green light from the ring makes you blink. And when, you open, and when you open your eyes, Mary is glowing with the same green light. She smiles. Thank you. Now I can rest, she says, and then slowly fades away. The ring drops back into the box, and she's almost invisible. Just a hint of an outline left. When the door slams open, and Mr. Grady rushes in. What have you done? Mr. Grady bellows. Mary, what have you done? You can barely see it, but Miss, but Mary smiles wider, sticks out her tongue at Mr. Grady, and fully disappears. You! Mr. Grady yells, pointing at you. You are in very big trouble! Mary is irreplaceable! He is so angry. You've never seen him like this, and it's scary. He looks like he could murder you right now. His hands clench and unclench. He steps towards you, growing a little. And <laughs> growling a little. <laughs> All right, you know, fuck you, Jay. You get to read next. Growing a little. <laughs> and then he begins to fade away, just as Mary did. <sighs> Mr. Grady stops and looks at his fading hand. The look on his face changes from anger to terror. No, he moans as you hear a faint laughter of a little girl as Mr. Grady dissolves. The shop slowly dissolves around you. In just a couple of minutes, you are in a normal, well-lit parking lot by a small, very ordinary warehouse building. The whole complex is about a tenth the size of the warehouse that you entered earlier tonight, completely by itself. Your car is the only one in the parking lot. You get in and drive home. The next day, a package arrives. Inside is a small white box. And inside the box, on a cushion of white satin, is a crystal ring. The ring is perfectly smooth, and you feel protected when you wear it. You took it to a jeweler. She offered you $10,000 for the ring, even though she did not know what it was made of. You politely decline. We decline? The end. Why do we decline? It's ten grand. That's what it said. Because you feel protected by it? That was just weird. So we gave Mary the ring. Mary disappeared. Then Carl, the whatever is Grady thing, just, just disappears himself. That's just that's just hey, messed up. This this just prometheus me. I have so many more questions than when I started. <laughs> yeah. So already. So uh, we got to the end there. So do we go one? back one chase here's, here's, or two here's, chases? Here's, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to swap out narrators. We're going to go back to page eight. Page eight? All yes. right. Instead of breaking down the door, we're going to go snitch to Mr. Grady. All right. Well, and Jay gets to read next. Can I go to drink first? Can you all like yes. you know, do stuff? I'll be right back. So, like, I'm, I'm almost, yeah, it's not. Yeah. All right. So we're back at eight and we have our decision to either break through the door or... Uh, so actually, yeah. So we're going to get Mr. Grady. So we'll actually go to page 33 to go get Mr. Grady. Okay. So we've heard screaming sounds coming from a door, but it's locked. We think we could break it down, but we don't want to risk further OSHA violations. So we're going to go get Mr. Grady. Jay, take it away. 
Leaving the beware and running as fast as you can, you head toward Mr. Grady's office. By the time you get there, you are out of breath. Knocking on the door, you gulp in great big breaths of the humid summer air. There's no response, and no light shows beneath the door. Deciding that you can't wait, you give the doorknob a try and silently open the door to Mr. Grady's dark office. Flicking on the light, you see Mr. Grady lying on the floor. He isn't moving. Mr. Grady, you say, fear making your voice sound shrill in your own ears. Are you okay, Mr. Grady? When did we become British? Since Jay took over. Every time we swap out readers, you will swap out voices. I apologize, folks. Gasping loudly, Mr. Grady sits up from the waist as though he were sitting in a car seat. It's up from the waist as though you're sitting in a car seat that is being brought up from full recline. What? Who? He says, blinking and turning just his head toward you. His voice is dry and raspy. Mr. Grady, you say, are you okay? Why are you on the floor? There's something screaming in one of the locked rooms. (laughs) What happened, Scott? I'm sorry, what? Go ahead. What did I do? I don't know. Huh? He says, what room? What kind of scream? I don't know, you reply. Down the hall, it sounds like someone or something is in pain. Okay, no, stop, stop. You, you, gotta, you gotta pick one voice for for our for us. Yeah, now, now, now we're, we go from British to, to weird red Gomer Mickey. Pyle. The Gomer Pyle, yes. We go from I'm British fine to with Gomer Pyle being us. That's fine. Make us Gomer Pyle. Okay. Uh... Well, we don't want that, he says, laughing. <laughs> he uses the edge of his desk to pull himself up and shakes his leg and wiggles his foot. Must have lost blood flow to my foot. I need a minute or two for the pins and needles to pass. Turn to the next page. Take the master key, Mr. Grady says, handing you a large ring of keys. The key that he is holding is deep black, so black that it is shiny. What? Uh. I'll be right behind you. You were hoping that Mr. Grady would go with you, but you have no choice but to run ahead by yourself. The sound has stopped, and you can't remember exactly which room it was coming from. They all look the same. You hear something coming from the hall behind you, and you look over your shoulder to see a limping dark figure coming toward you. You feel a cold flush of fear, but then the figure passes under one of the dim lights, and you see that it is just Mr. Grady. You turn the lock of one of the doors and open it. Glad that you are not completely alone. The room is dark and you fumble for the light switch. The screaming noise is coming from a metal desk in the middle of the room. It is a doll. A red-headed doll holding a knife in its left hand while screaming. Jesus. Nice. The tiny mouth moves with the warbling of the howl. Backing away from the doll, you bump into Mr. Grady as he comes into the room. Oh, that's all it is. Grady says as he moves past you and heads right to the doll. Picking it up, he turns it over and fumbles with the back for a second. The howling stops. What is that thing? You ask, your voice shaking. It's just a doll, Grady says, walking toward you, holding out the creepy doll for your inspection. Don't worry. Charlie won't hurt you. It isn't a real knife. Here, take a look. (laughs) Look at Mr. Grady. He's now Transylvanian. (laughs) Yeah, we're locking that one in. <laughs> okay. 
The doll's eyes are wide set with enormous pupils, and it is smile and its smiling mouth has red drops of blood trickling from the left side. Even though you can tell that the knife is plastic, you don't take the doll from Grady's outstretched hand. Page 19. Charlie here is from a movie that was made years ago. This office belongs to our chief financial officer. Otis? 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 Otis. Otis, Otis Tool. He handles all our bills and payments. Not sure why he had Charlie in his, his, here in his office, Grady says, putting the doll back on the desk. Maybe someone else in finance was playing a prank on Otis. They sometimes get carried away with their little games. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> um, I think I need to sit down or take a break or something. You tell Grady, still a little scared from the screaming doll. So sorry that you got caught in the prank war, Grady says. But we really have to do... But we really have a lot to do tonight. I could get you a pill for your nerves. It will make you feel better. What's in the pill? You ask, only considering it because of how upset you are. Can I just lie down in the break room? Maybe you don't need this job after all, and you can go home and never come back if you don't feel better soon. Well, I suppose so, Grady says, but I'd prefer if we got everything done first. The pill is just a homeopathic remedy. Nothing dangerous or illegal. Oh, we're taking the pill. Oh, we're taking this pill. If you push Mr. Grady to let you lie down. Well, hold on now. I didn't get to say a word. You just let Scott dictate every decision the entire episode? I'm reading the two options so our listeners know. Fine then. (laughs) If you push Mr. Grady to let you lie down, thinking that you might instead go home, turn to page 32. If you choose to take the pill to settle your upset nerves, turn to page 63. Scott says, Hey. We're, he's given us creepy redneck voice, and you know, we all have seen the whites of West Virginia. We're all pillheads, so you know, well, let's take the pill. John says, "Look, normally I'd say take the pill, but in our last scenario, going to snitch to get help was the more fun option. But okay, fine, we'll take the pill." Okay, page sixty-three. Okay, you take the small white pill from Mr. Grady and choke it down without any water. Almost immediately, you feel a soothing warmth spread from the middle of your being to the tips of your tingling fingers. Better? Grady asks with a lopsided smile. Now we can get back to work. Lots to do before morning. We have all sorts of productions going on in the next few nights. Ah, ah, ah. Sure, you respond, slurring a little. Let's go! The next few hours pass in a pleasant haze. All of your worries from before have dissolved into the warmth of the pill. What was it, you wonder, but not in a way that really matters. You give zero shits. You move boxes, <laughs> you move boxes crates, pallets, and racks from one part of the warehouse to the new another. You are productive and happy. You zip along with your friend the Beware electric handcart, or you have the strength to lift many boxes by yourself. 
Time seems to slow and speed up at the same time. Part of you feels that you only have just begun, while another feels like you have been doing this task for days, months, years, and centuries. You hum a happy little song to yourself. What a great guy Mr. Grady is. Then everything starts to darken. At first you think it's just the lights, but they stay at, but they stay at the same brightness. Things seem thicker, darker, scarier. Your heart beats faster. I'm coming, Elizabeth. You look up and around you. You are in a large stage area somewhere deep below the main complex. The ceiling rises high above you, and boxes are piled all around. But directly in front of you is a trailer-sized wheeled platform with a grand staircase set in its middle. The broad marble steps lead down to a black and white checkered floor. The only lights in the large room are from weak bulbs widely set apart high above. Everything is dim, except for the woman in the brown dress floating down the staircase. Who are you? You squeak, dropping the box you had in your hands and backing away from the advancing glowing woman in the brown dress. She does not say anything. Her face is mostly covered by a veil, but her eyes appear as empty holes of blackness. You notice the brown dress sparkles too brightly in the dim light. She reaches the bottom of the stairs and floats over the checkered floor towards you. Stumbling backward, you bump into the back wall. You look over at the door, but the woman in the brown dress has left the platform and has floated most of the distance across the floor to where you are. You are shaking. Reaching around desperately, you find a broom that is leaning against the wall. Grabbing it in your hands, you hold it in front of you like a sword. Stop! You yell, and the figure pauses for a moment before moving forward toward you again. What do you do? I if like you choose we... to attack the floating brown ghost with the broom, turn to page 78. If you decide not to anger the ghost by attacking and instead try to talk to the ghost, turn to page 98. Para Espanol, primo numero dos. I like how we become broom kid now, Scott. Broom kid, yes. I want to attack the ghost with the broom, Jay. Scott, whack that fucker. We're gonna whack it. Do we need to roll for perception. You boy, or... you the boys whacking yeah. off with my tool shelf. We need to roll for initiative. Do we need to make a surprise roll. What are we doing? Am I proficient with brooms? Do I have advantage? Do we make a bluff check get a surprise attack? <laughs> Roll for initiative. Five. It's not looking good. Nice. Cock <laughs> cocking back the broomstick, you swing it without warning, but you don't put your whole body into it. As you know, ghosts are supposed to be ethereal beings sometimes. The broomstick passes through the body of the brown lady without any resistance. Crud, you say, then trying to make the best of a bad situation. Um, sorry about that. You will pay for that indignity. The brown lady screeches at you. She floats towards you, hands outstretched. You wait in fear, not moving, but the brown lady seems to be slowing as she nears you. Run while you can. She wiggles her hands threateningly, threateningly. There's a clear path to the door leading away, and the brown lady hovers as if politely waiting her turn to go through. Why? 
dropping the broomstick, you decide you can still you can stay still and see what happens. You can't touch me, can you? You say. You don't have power over the real world. All you can do is scare people. Why do you do it? Do not tempt me, mortal. I came back from death to avenge the wrongs done to me. She hisses, staring at you with her empty holes of eyes. You shiver despite trying to appear brave. Reaching forward quickly with your hand, you watch as the brown lady snatches her arm away from you. She backs away. You're connected. No, sorry. (laughs) Wrong person. Your connection to the real world is thinly bound. She spits at you as she floats away before turning and putting her finger to your forehead. You feel nothing. She removes it and recedes. Page 36. You have been touched. Brown chicka brown round. You stand there shaking for minutes before pulling yourself together and going to find Mr. Grady. Enough is enough. After what happened tonight, you know you are getting away from here. Mr. Grady doesn't seem surprised when you tell him what you saw and why you were leaving. He gives you $31 he gives you $31 coins and severance, counting them out one by one and giving his creepy laugh. Oh, I forgot which voice he was. Dirty pieces. Go then. You've been touched. <laughs> Peace be with you. What the hell voice is that? I don't know. Apparently he became a eunuch between the last time we saw him and now. I don't know. I got my balls caught in that machine over there. (laughs) You shiver. That's not part of it. Okay. (laughs) Ever since that night, you have been touched. Why did you taunt the brown lady by grabbing at her? You aren't sure, but being touched is not all bad. I feel this is sending the wrong message to children. Seeing ghosts all over the place is exhausting and often disturbing, as their deaths are usually violent or very, very sad. Ghosts are all very self-centered. They always want to talk about themselves, and they never ask how you are doing. Bastards. However, you have learned to be more sympathetic to their plights. Your job as the foremost ghost whisperer, and exorcist if the need arises, which is thankfully rare, relies on your special ability to see and communicate with the dead. When you do your job well, the restless spirit finds a sense of peace and the humans who have to deal with it get relief. When the job goes poorly, things get hectic. Some of the images you have seen almost break you. The we become end. Michael J. Fox from The Frighteners. Wow. Okay, then. Yeah. I agree. At least you guys got $10,000 in a ring. That's very true. We did. Uh, so what no, we page... didn't get $10,000. We just we just got the ring. No. Oh, okay. She offered us $10,000, but we politely declined. Which we were dumb to do. We should have accepted that shit. Hey, we got $31.1 coins, and now we can talk to ghosts. Because the lady in the brown dress touched us inappropriately. So, you know, we got that going for us. Which is nice. Uh, All right, back to page 66. When Scott's done imploding from sneezing. 
66. We're going to try to talk to the ghost. Execute order 66. Uh, yeah, we're going to try talking to the ghost instead of taking a swing at it. So we're actually going to go to page 98. Execute order 67. With pickles. Hold the mayo. Hold the mayo. And Commander <laughs> Scott, if oh. he can make it. Oh, sorry. You saw a cat, didn't you? Yeah. All right. We got it. What's our what's our you voice? This should be here you go. This is what we gotta start off with is the you voice. This is it's whatever pops into his head. <laughs> well, I only got one really good voice. And we've already been British once, so we're we gonna be British again. Oh come on! You know where this. Show me how it's done, Jay or Scott. 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 Show Jay how it's done. There we go. Oh, uh, let's see here. Uh, so this is actually it's not starting with us. It's starting with the brown lady. So we're trying to talk to the brown lady, and we're no. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it starts with us. You ask the yeah. brown lady. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want? Ask you ask the brown lady floating in front of you. You are still holding the broom in front of you. You, the chill wind from nowhere, blasts you in the face as the ghost speaks to you. Rainham, she says in too loud a voice. Why she sounds masculine, I have no idea. You drop the broom and cover your ears with your hands. What? 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 What was that? That was really loud. Why would you say that so loud, you freaking ghost lady thing? Jeez, I don't understand. Why are you so masculine? The brown lady comes right in front of your face. There is nowhere further to back away, so you stare into the darkness where her eyes should be. With one hand, she takes the veil away from... Stupid mic. Uh, with one hand, she takes the veil away from her face and leans in. Beside her non-existent eyes, the rest of her looks, the rest of her looks fairly normal. She is almost young, with smooth white skin and a long, thin nose. Her lips have a brown color that matches her dress. Rainham! Rainham Hall! We're late! Though extremely loud, the voice sounds normal. An English woman's voice, and she sounds angry. Whoa! Hold on there, ma'am! You say, putting your hand, uh, hand up to pour her off. She stops. Um, I can help you if if I I can't help you if I don't know. You try. Um, uh, my lady, please. The brown lady says to you in a social in a socially cold but normal voice. You stare into the dark pits of her empty eye sockets. There is nothing but the blackness. I am a countess. Oh, my lady! You croak. Please, what do you want? Lord Townsend will be very angry. Okay, okay, stop. What? I know they're very close together. I can only do one female voice. Sorry. That's fine. Make the other one a male voice. Also, find out why she's so mad about a rum ham. I don't know. It says ran ham, and I can't make it a male voice. It's oh, this. rain ham. Sorry, I thought she was yelling about a rum ham. Rain ham, and I don't know what shit. Leave me alone. And I can't make it a male voice. It says she's an English woman. Fine, Ooh. make our voice different. 
I can't cling on. She's Klingon. Martha. Klingon. Klingon. Oh my god. I don't know. I, someone else read this. I can't do this shit. <laughs> no. <laughs> your Martha's fine for the, the, the ghost lady. But the, so our, 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 the our, ghost lady? Huh? They're gonna make Martha the ghost lady? Yes. Well, yeah, she's British. Mar- Martha and the ghost lady are different voices. Thank you very much. Martha has a vo- has a squeaky voice like this, but the other one is a very, very proper. See, it's it's very subdued and stuff. And so there's different voices there, but they're both English yeah. females. Okay. What's the difference between Coke and Diet Coke? <laughs> exactly. Thank you, Jay. I don't know where I was or what's going on anymore. Somebody else do this. I can't do this. This is not me. Okay. Hold on. Don't like my stuff. Go ahead. Do it. I don't no, care. we like it. No, no, no. Okay. We like it. Where Scott, we? I'll read us. Uh, so you, you, you read the British lady, okay? You read who? This I'm going to read for us. roles in stuff with a cold read. You can't assign roles in a cold read. Sure you can. You can when 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 it's a script and you have character names, but when it's like this, I don't know who the fuck's talking. Milady, you croak. Please, what do you want? Oh, see, is it me now? Uh, oh, see, I have to read ahead. Yeah, Jay, you can't just read the dialogue. You have to read the dialogue and then the adjoining sentence. No, he did because the next sentence is just dialogue. He, he, oh, he I'm, I'm on different paths. I backed up further than you did then. Yeah. My lady, you croak. Please, what do you want? Swear to me. What the fuck? I don't even know who the hell that is. That's that's <laughs> us. It says you croak. So we're Batman now. Apparently we are. We're just... It would be very painful. Okay, and then the lady's going to be Bane. Here we go. <clears throat> okay. Okay, yeah, you all do shit. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Go ahead, go ahead, Batman. What? Oh, are we actually? Oh, oh, sorry, Come on, I was Batman. Just around. I don't yeah. know. I started a voice, and now shit's gone down. Do it, Batman. Do it. I, I'm confused. I don't know. Read what us as Batman. Oh, it'll hurt 99. my face too much. Makes me cough. My lady, you croak. Please, what do you want? All right, so we're back to that. That's fine. Uh, so the next one here. Juice. Uh, the next one is, is 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 the brown lady, so it should be Martha. So we're going to yes. watch. So, so Lord Townsend will be very angry. He is most unpleasant when crossed. I, I am late. My brother, the Prime Minister, is coming for dinner. So is Lord Wharton. There is bound to be a quarrel. Okay, you breathe. Slow down. You're not late for anything. In fact, we're early. I'm taking you there right now, Lord um, Townshend won't be angry. You don't know him, she tells you. Turning and moving, sorry, she tells you turning and moving away from you. Uh, uh, Warmth that you didn't realize was lost comes back to you as she recedes. But take, sorry, um, but take me to the, the Rainham Hall. We can't be late. You follow, <laughs> sorry. You follow Go the ahead. old lady down the hall. The dim light makes her subtly creepily creepy grow, makes her subtly creepy grow glow brighter. Ugh. 
Her subtly creepy glow brighter. It took me like three times to get that. Wow, that's the a, dim light a, makes her subtly, her subtly creepy, creepy glow, glow brighter. brighter. That, is, that is a messed up. Sentence. Should be a comma there. there subtly comma. There creepy. Should comma, there should be commas, colons, and semicolons in that. I'm just saying. <laughs> what about them stairs? Don't you have to stay with them? You ask as she floats beside you as you walk down the hallway. The thought of running is the only real thought in your mind. She turns to you with her empty eyes. The stairs were fakes. Props for a mumner's false. I don't know what a mumner is, but it's, it's a mumner is this there. So I had to say it. So just leave me alone, all right? You don't know it. I don't know it. Nobody knows it. Could you tell? Come with me. We must meet the, the countess. So saying, the brown lady stops in front of a nondescript metal door with heating pipes in insulation running around the jam. Without anyone moving, the door opens by itself. The brown lady grabs your arm in a freezing grip and pulls you through the door. <clears throat> On the other side is a long stone hallway with roughly cut and dressed walls. Lanterns with weak yellow oil lamps burning lazily within are spaced at long distances. You have to run to keep up with the ghost holding your arm in its freezing grip. Then you are pushed through another door. The brown lady stays behind you as it shuts with a loud clunk. Locked up! Locked up! Rainham Hall! Looking around you, your eyes are immediately drawn to the ornate bathtub set in the middle of the room. It is on a raised da dais. Dias? Dias. Dias? Potato potato. With a white leather-covered bench next to it. Red liquid steams from the tub. You smell, the smell of hot blood assaults you. You'll need to excuse the countess. There's a woman with a heavy Eastern European accent. And apparently Very heavy. <laughs> Very. <laughs> so heavy, I could have sworn it was a man. Leave me alone, darling. You don't know anything. <laughs> I am a woman. I am all a woman. Let me show you. Come to my quarters. Later. <laughs> yes. She is late. Nice of her to bring you here. She is dressed in a bejeweled dress like those seen in all old paintings of royalty. Sapphires and pearls cover much, much of her upper half as a blue dress flares out before dropping. She is young and beautiful and clearly dead. I am Countess... I can't even pronounce my own name. Bathory. Bathory. Bath. Bathroy. Bath. You're in a bath, and my name is Bath. Just I'm Countess Bath. Leave me alone. You may have heard of me. <laughs> I just I can't help it, but I want I want it to be like like a uh like a Nordic type, <laughs> like very slow. Like <laughs> I am Countess Bathory. You may have heard of me. That's Swedish. <laughs> not... That's what, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it's... <laughs> oh god, you, this do, you need to excuse the countess. She is late. Nice of her to be bring you here. Anybody still listening after this point? God bless you. <laughs> Page one fifteen. Page one fifteen. You don't answer. You just stand there. <laughs> What uh, voice are we now? I don't know. Who, who is it? Is this us? Yeah, this is us. All right. Lady Townsend, I wanted you to... Oh, wait. No, that's the brown lady. Never mind. 
Jay, this is you. No, I I have the thank you, lady. No, you're fine. Who is who is speaking here? I don't know. Lady Bathory. Yeah, Lady Bath. Oh, here you go. Yeah. Lady Townshend wanted to have you shut up and never let out, but I said no. So, thank you, you stammer. No need to thank me, she replies, smiling a chilling smile. Locking you up and waiting for you to die and turning you takes too long. We are late and Grady will notice if we tarry too long. No, we need to make sure you die much sooner than that. My bath is almost, but not quite full. Love Watch it. out! You yell, pointing behind the Countess, not knowing what else to do. I'm not dumb, the Countess replies. There is only one door. As she says this, the door opens and two soldiers come through it. They grab your arms and hold you still. So what do you choose, heights or fire? It will be a test. You get to decide, am I not gracious? Let me go. No, of course not, the ghost replies. You just get to make the choice on how you die. You decide to play along, if only to buy time, to keep the ghost or her henchman from attacking you immediately. If you choose to be challenged by heights, go to 26. If you choose to test it by fire, go to 68. I don't know. I'm not a big fan of fire, so... Heights it is. 26. Ah, too far. Too far. Okay. You stand on a catwalk high above the floor of a strange, sorry, of a storage hangar. Large machines hulk below you in the purplish glow of the cheap mercury vapor lights. The countess stands behind you with a long spear. She pokes it at you. You move away, but the catwalk ends, Jay. Now climb toward the light. If you make it, you get another death. But if you fall, then you'll be dead. You rush at the countess, batting aside the spear with a desperate strength. She just reaches out with one hand, and you fall down, twitching. I'll climb to the light. You climb toward the buzzing industrial light, but it is far away. Hand over hand, you inch forward. You hold onto a too thin support, and you are only a few feet away. <clears throat> Sorry. You're only a few feet in. When the metal dips and pulls away from the ceiling, you fall to the floor and wake up with Mr. Grady standing over you. He's sweaty, and he looks scared, and I am suddenly very worried as to why Mr. Grady is standing over a sweaty. <laughs> You're awake, he says, grabbing your arms and helping you up. The room seems to be spinning. You were falling. What happened, you both say at once. Mr. Grady takes a breath and says, you were just standing there, and bam, you mumbled something and fell to the floor. When did when this did... happen? Oh. Sorry, go ahead. When Good. did this happen, you ask, thinking about the brown lady and the countess? Just now, not more than two minutes ago. Maybe, Maybe it was the pill you gave me, you ask, shaking your head to clear it. But that was just a breath mint. Honestly, I swear to God, it's the breath mint. <laughs> oh... Uh, I don't know what to make of this story. This story is like 16 different types of... There's I, no consistency. I think it's supposed to be like whatever warehouse you go into is a whole different like... Yeah. Thing. Yeah, like there's there's no... It's like we've, we've had, what, four 
three, three or four different endings now, and it's different things each time. Yeah, we were touched by a ghost, then we could see ghosts. Yeah. We we unpossessed the room with a ring, and it made the the d- it little made dead girl rest at peace. Mr. Brady disappeared. So there's yeah. like the, like lots of different things going on here. There's the the, the fake out. Lots of ghosts because there there was like a doll, but everything else has been ghosts. Well, it is the haunted warehouse. Ah. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on with this, but uh, yeah, this, this this choose your own adventure is uh, not only choose your own adventure, but choose your own story. Like it's uh, choose your own voice. Choose your own voice. That's what this, that's what <laughs> they should be called from now on. Choose your own voice. And I'm sorry that my Martha and my regular British lady sound way too much alike. It's okay, Scott. We loved it. No, it's not. No, you didn't. I did. I loved it. Trying to placate me, I know. And I, I enjoyed being the Swedish lady. The Swedish lady was funny. That was good. And, and I, I firmly believe that through that this whole story that Mr. Grady is Carl. It's just it's hilarious as shit. <laughs> if the ghost come near, hit him with shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm trying to anyway. find where the hell we were when we had to choose heights or fire. There we go. Oh, hell, I have no idea. 68. You got me. The Yingling Brothers Circus. 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 The Yingling Brothers Circus. I don't know what it is with Yingling, Yingling beer, but when it came to Kentucky, like it was a huge thing. Like everybody couldn't stop talking about it for the first like six months. Oh, Yingling, Yingling is here. I'm like, okay, it's just a lager. It's pretty good. It's but good. you it's, couldn't buy it in the state of Kentucky until then because they didn't have a distributor. Yeah, it was like three years ago, four years ago that it was in Kentucky, so you couldn't get it here. And when it came here, like everybody lost their shit. For it. Oh, Yingling, Yingling! Do you have Yingling? Can you buy Yingling? Where's the Yingling? It's like it's it's an okay lager. It's not bad, but it's not something I'm gonna like lose my shit. No, they they, they went nuts because you could finally get it, and then yeah, within six months, no one gave a shit anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's good. Okay, oh, I boys. I just, it's just similar to. I want to thank you for your time serving at the warehouse. Um, if you guys will have a seat, um, I'm here to give you your exit survey. Because there's a tr- there's a trivia quiz in the back of the book. Let's what? see how much we can get. Yeah, hold on. Hang on. Yep. Are there uh, answers? I think we can figure these out so far, Jay. So first, why did you get a job as a warehouse manager? It's multiple choice. A, you've always had a passion for warehouses. B, you desperately needed a job. Or C, you applied to the wrong job by mistake. Uh, we've always had a passion for warehouses. That's what I, that's that's what I would say. I was gonna go with C, but that's just me. <laughs> I I thought I was applying for a job at the uh, local, you know, McDonald's. Mm. What is the name of your coworker at the warehouse? Is it Beware One? I am a robot, or George? It's George. George, definitely George. I want to pet the mice, George. <laughs> you look at the look at the lake, Lenny. I'm gonna hit you with this rock. 
The wiffle ball bat might take a while. Who is Otis Tool? A, the chief financial officer. B, the gender. C, the mailman. D, D the pizza delivery guy. Someone order uh, an extra spicy sausage. <laughs> what? I, I saw I a porn video. I don't think we got to this scenario. What is down the hole of the trap door? Oh, you don't want to know. Is it an arcade? Is it a room that looks exactly like the one you were just in? Or no idea you did not follow Johnson through the trap door. You never follow the Johnson through the trap door. Never, never. What type of stone is on the ring inside the wooden box? Was it jade, emerald, or turquoise? It was. I know this. It was was geode. It was a geode. It was a giant fucking geode. Sure was. Who is the brown lady's brother? Mr. Grady, Lord Wharton, the Prime Minister. It was the Prime Rib Roast Master. Oh, that would be my brother Frank. Uh, Okay, and then here's one we definitely didn't get to. What was Malik's job at the Stanley Hotel? Busboy, psychic, or chef? Yeah, we did not get to that one at all. No, I'm going to go with D, all of the above. He is a busboy psychic chef. Like I'm more know. excited about the the two exciting board games based on the best-selling House of Danger and War with the Evil Power Master. You know, you know what? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have to cut you off here, Jay, because while I agree with you that a choose-your-own-adventure board game sounds like an awesome idea, um, based on personal experience, they are not that great of games, and there's a reason why there's only two. Yeah. Isn't D and D your choose your own adventure? No, I'm a game master, and he kind of directs the things. It's shared storytelling, but not choose. Your I want to. I want to choose my own adventure. If, if you want good choose your own adventure role playing, look into the solo adventures uh, for Call of Cthulhu by Chaosium. You know I've what I want? Somewhere. I want to choose your own adventure movie. While I can't give you a choose-your-own-adventure movie, Jay, I will tell you that um, uh, what's uh, what's his name uh, played uh, Doogie Howser. What the fuck's his name? Uh, oh, uh, Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, yeah. Neil NPH. Patrick, Neil Patrick Harris's autobiography, his autobiography, is a choose-your-own-adventure. It is. And and any time you make a decision that strays from his real life path, you die a horrible death. I love it. It was was really good. It really was. I highly recommend it. I I mean, you could make a simple choose your own adventure movie. You're only going to end up with like 16 to 32 different things that you're going to have to film. I mean. Yeah, but how does the. How does the audience make the choice? Yeah. Like it'd be, you'd they, have to. They, it wouldn't they, be in theaters. You'd have to do it like a home video. Yeah, they, like, they did that on streaming with uh, shit. What was that movie? It's from like three or four years ago. It was a choose your own adventure movie on Netflix. But it wasn't it live. No. No, it was a movie. 
Anyway, so I think we all agree we did not have as much fun escaping from the haunted warehouse as we did uh, trying to navigate well, the dangers of Blood Island. So, I don't know. I had a good time navigating I mean, the warehouse. Yeah. It, the only problem we had with, choosing, with, with the haunted warehouse was when I was reading. But, you know. Up till then, we were doing great. And then I read, and I just threw a big monkey wrench in the whole damn No, Scott, we enjoyed your reading. No, you didn't. Don't. I did. No. I want you to read more often. I want you to, I want you to read books, and then I'll, I'll listen to them on tape. I want you to read books as Martha. (laughs) Now, me reading books as Martha would be, would be very interesting. I agree with that. Um, It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Yes. Call me Ishmael. Martha does Shakespeare, I think, would be very fun as well. Ha! What light through yonder window breaks? Why are you breaking the window? That's just so stupid. The window is expensive. Hasn't Martha done Shakespeare? Did she do Shakespeare? I could have swore she did St. Crispin's Day. Oh, yes, yes, she did St. Crispin's Day. Yes. She she did that for Talk Nerdy to me when, back when it was a podcast, yeah. So if you are a super old listener, you might remember that one. Uh, so look, we hope you enjoyed uh, your trip through the Haunted Warehouse with us. We hope it was at least entertaining. Uh, it probably wasn't too scary. <laughs> uh, we'll try harder next year. Uh, maybe we'll switch up and do one of the uh, choose-your-own-adventure uh, single-player RPG kind of games and roll for decision-making. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But uh, hopefully this didn't turn you off. We have lots of super cool spooky season content still coming your way. Uh, Until next time, would you attack the brown lady with the broom? Uh, Or would you have uh, 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 broken down the door or gone back to get help with Mr. Grady? Let us know. Choose your own adventure and let us know where you ended up. Because that book has 14 endings and I think we got to three of them. So there you go. Until next time. This has been your weekly Nerd Alert.